0: Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week as we continue our study in Ephesians, two key words are game changers for us, but God. We are sinful by nature, but God is merciful and has so much more for us when we live in his truth.
1: My name is Chris Godforson. It's my pleasure to serve Center Point as the campus pastor here in Sioux Center. If you're worshiping with us for the very first time today, my hope is that, like, you'll feel like you belong here, that you'll feel comfortable, that you'll feel welcome, and, like, we've been expecting you. So we've gone to some lengths to uh, make this happen. And if you're worshiping with us online or Channel 77 today, I want to say a greetings to you, too. Like, it takes intentional effort to worship with us in this way, and so I pray a blessing over you. And oh, before I forget, hey Warden! So uh, we have another campus in Haywarden, and I'm not going to point because last week I did that wrong. (laughs) I pointed the wrong direction. Um, Anyway, um, Haywarden, welcome. Good morning. Can't hear him, can we? Good morning over there. Um, We are so glad to be able to worship in this way to uh, allow Sai an opportunity to get away, and, and that's a gift, and he has covered it for me when I've been in the hospital and stuff, so we're really grateful for the technology. Before we dive into the word of the Lord, I have two announcements for you. The first is you want to be here next Sunday. You want to come here too from Hayward next Sunday, so our fall Connect event, it's our fall kickoff. And so we'll worship both campuses in this space at 9.30, and then we're going to have food trucks for free out in this parking lot. We're going to play games, weather permitting. We're going to do some water-like activities. So bring your family and your friends in a towel. We're not supplying towels, okay? So join us then. It's going to be a great Sunday. And the second announcement for the morning is this. Center Centerpoint Church is part of what is known as the uh, Alliance of Reformed Churches. And a a smaller gathering of churches is called the Horizon Network. And the Horizon Network is hosting a marriage conference that is based on the the best-selling book, The Five Love Languages, that will be on September 16. So you'll need to register in advance for that, and you can do that by going out back um, after worship this morning and... um, Checking out next steps. They are here to serve you. Those are the announcements. Maybe not quite as quick as I thought they'd be, but those are the announcements. We're done. This morning, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians. And we began this series a week ago. Uh, So if you have a Bible or your preferred electronic device in which you read Scripture, I'd invite you to open it to Ephesians 1. It's to the back of your Bible. And we'll get there in just a couple of minutes. If you if you're with us for the first time, we're we're calling this series Ephesus. And um, Ephesus was an ancient city located on the Aegean Sea, which is modern-day Turkey. It it was home to one of the seven wonders of the world, and it was um, this amazing place. Every year, the residents of um, Ephesus would make this procession through the city in worshiping Artemis. It sounds a little bit like the parades that we have in our towns, right? I mean, we we do the thing just like they did in Ephesus, and, and they were worshiping the the mother goddess Artemis, and it was their belief that if they continued to worship Artemis, that everything they needed would come true that this was the way for them to enjoy life and prosperity and the problem for the people of Ephesus was that Jesus or Paul rather was preaching Jesus and that Jesus is the way Jesus is the way and so, this city of 300,000 people was quite the place. It was uh, the Mecca for all things that were happening in the region. It feels a little bit like Haywarden or Alcester or Sioux Center, right? Still not. That didn't land last week either. It's worth a shot. I won't do it next week. But, but there, there were these words like rich and pampered and sophisticated And they were pagan to the core, were they in Ephesus. And um, Paul had this idea that we're going to go and start a church in this place. As um, one person um, would say that this had to be the hardest place and, and the most attractive place in which to actually try to start a church. It, it feels a little bit like trying to start churches in Sioux County, Iowa. Making disciples and starting churches in this part of the world can be really challenging, too. We're not off of the hook. But the people of Ephesus desperately needed Jesus. I mean, they had issues. And who am I kidding? We, we have a couple of issues, too, right? I'm sorry, Hayward, but we all have issues, and I, and I think that because we all have issues, that makes this letter, Paul's letter to the church, really vital. It, it, it is one for us um, to be able to grasp. And, and many of you know that Paul wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. He wrote large swaths of what it is that's in our Bible. And, and as Paul was teaching and preaching the Bible, as he wrote letters to people, he was, he was doing this thing where he was trying to imprint something in their hearts and on their minds to imprint something to make it indelible, indelible and permanent he wanted them to grasp what it was that he was teaching he wanted them to understand that Jesus is the way not all the things and preachers do this too we do this too um, like we work long and hard we, we think and and. We, we pray weekly that the Holy Spirit would give us just something, one little word, one anecdote, one concept that would stay with you, that simply might transform your life. So every week, Jamie and Sinai, we are preaching and, and we are praying that God would give us something, something tangible that you can take away that might help you. And we know that we can't do this. But the Holy Spirit can. And, and so last week we did this. We went through this process and, and we uh, imprinted this message. It happened in Hayward because I watched Cy si do it. Um, and it happened here too. And, and the message last week that we imprinted on your mind is that you were selected by the Father. You were sacrificed for by the Son. And you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, those of you who believe. And because of God's action in our lives, we are abundantly free. There's nothing holding us back. We are abundantly free because we have been selected and sacrificed for and sealed. And and that's a game changer. When, When Jesus sacrifices for your life, it it is a game over and game on. It changes. Everything The Holy Spirit empowers us to live day in and day out for Him. And so this morning, we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's the deal. There's two rather large chunks. So we're going to read 15 to 23 now. I'm going to talk about it for a while. And then we'll hit the first few verses of Ephesians 2. Now, Paul is imprinting something here. And so, uh, I'm going to imprint a few things as well. My hope is you'll keep your Bible open. And if you don't, the words will be on the screen for you. Okay? So, as we turn to the word of the Lord, I want to ask the Lord to illumine our hearts and our minds for the imprinting that is about to happen. Let's pray. Father, may your word be our rule. Your spirit, our teacher, in the glory of jesus our single concern amen friends hear these words from ephesians chapter 1 starting at verse 15 for this reason ever since i heard about your faith in the lord jesus and your love for all god's people i have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same Mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. In every way. Here, in these eight verses, Paul's method of imprinting is prayer. And it was just as true for the Jews and the Gentiles in Ephesus as it is for us. Having been selected by the Father, sacrificed for by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit, it can be. really hard to grasp did this actually happen does it impacted my life is is this really it it's hard for us to fathom and sometimes or rather probably oftentimes we can't appreciate it fully so paul prays he asks for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know god better and and wisdom and revelation come from god this is god's action For God allows us to act on what we believe when we have some wisdom. And then in Revelation, it's a matter of God doing this thing, of of enabling us to experience him and then to understand the truth that it is he's sharing with us. So when the Spirit gives us wisdom in Revelation, we can practically apply what it is that God wants us to understand and do in our lives. We can do this. So, friends, tap somebody on the shoulder and say, God, please give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's okay. Go ahead and do it. God, please give us wisdom and revelation. Now, I'm tapping you, Jamie. Yeah, wisdom and revelation for you, buddy. You're sitting all alone. And you're never alone, which you know, right? I mean, theology is a gift. So, Paul's prayer for the people is is God would imprint on us our hope. That God would grant us the understanding, the riches we have, and that we would grasp God's power. God's power is ours. It's with us. And we can possess it in both our hearts and our minds. Look with me at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you know the hope To which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. In these times, the people understood that the heart and the mind, I did it in right order, sometimes I reverse those, but that the heart and the mind were of the same sort. That there wasn't this difference between the two, but that it was um, everything, the heart and the mind understood everything similarly. So like Deuteronomy 6 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Didn't even mention the mind because it's understood that when it's my heart, that it's also attached to my mind. So it's like Paul saying, highlight this, <laughs> underline this, um, get it, know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and that incomparably great power. Understand it, grasp it, it's yours. And when we're raised with Christ from the, that same power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, we can do these things because they are ours in Christ. And the result of this is uh, the result of this being imprinted on our hearts is that we will fix or focus our eyes on God. Not on the things of the world, but we'll fix our eyes on Jesus. And, and it becomes a grouping of people that gather in this place as known as a church, who dedicate their lives to making Christ known. So when, when we say we are centering on the gospel, we, we are looking at this, the hope to which he has called us, the, the glorious riches of the inheritance in his holy people, and that incomparably great power for us who, who believe. Um, It helps us to make Christ known. And and we engage in this process of understanding the gospel more fully because our eyes are fixed on God. They're not fixed on all the other things. They don't get lost in the weeds or on all of the things of the world, but rather we're focusing our attention on the Lord. This is what Paul is after here. And so the people of God as the people of god with christ as the head of the church we're able to understand clearly and understanding clearly results in us actually getting into action look with me at chapter two again a pretty good chunk as for you paul writes you were dead in your transgressions and sins For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You've probably heard this phrase, and if you have, I'd like you to finish the sentence. If it looks like a duck... And if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Hey, way to go. Good job. When when a duckling is hatched or when a duckling is born, the first thing it sees is imprinted in its mind. And then this duckling goes about the process of following the first thing it sees, it emulates this thing. So usually, when a duck is born, the first thing it sees is its mother. And so, the duckling does everything the mother duck does. The mother duck takes care of the, the duckling, she feeds the duckling, she protects the duckling. And it's probably why we see things like this, aw, somebody say aw, there. Or like this, sometimes we see ducklings doing this. Everything the mother does, the duckling does in return. If it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Right? Unless the first thing that is imprinted on that duckling's mind is a dog. The, the story is told, okay, those might be chicks, but work with me. <laughs> um, when, when the first thing the, the duckling sees is a dog, it does what the dog does. And so the story is told that this actually happened. This duckling was, was hatched, sees a dog, and follows the dog everywhere. It does exactly the things that the dog does. The dog feeds the duckling. The dog protects the duckling. The dog takes good care of the duckling. When in the heat of the day on the farm, um, they go under the porch. The dog goes under the porch, and so does the duckling. When the car drives on to the lawn, they both attack the car, and they're both nipping at the tires. The dog is barking, though, and the duck is quacking, because it still waddles, and it still quacks. It can't do everything that the dog does. If it looks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, sometimes it's a dog, or it thinks it is. But here's the thing. Even when we're looking at the wrong thing, we're still um, not dogs. We're ducks. Work with me, and sorry, dog lovers. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, and, um, it's probably a duck. And so, for us, if you've been selected by the Father and um, sacrificed for by the Son and sealed by the Holy Spirit, um, maybe you're a duck. And, And so, our hope is that we understand our hope, that we get our riches, and that we understand that God's power is for us so that we might actually fix our eyes on the thing that we're supposed to fix our eyes on, and that we would emulate the duck and not be a dog. Or, as C.S. Lewis once wrote, that we would be little Christs emulating Christ. This is our objective. This is what Paul is after here. As for you, he writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All of you, <laughs> all of you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Me too. All of us, we were all dead, but God. I mean, the, the people of Ephesus were worshiping Artemis. They were profiting wildly from the sales of these idols and these trinkets outside of the seventh wonder of the world, and, and everything they needed, they, were, they thought they were accumulating. They were chasing after all the things power and control, sex and money. And they were dead. Dead to their transgressions and sins. And so were we, except for these two words in verse 4. But God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us up with Christ, from, when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace, by God's grace, that you have been saved. But God. Our God is both just and jealous. God desperately desires that we worship him and him alone. But god doesn't force us to do this friends god doesn't force us to worship him god goes to great lengths he goes to every life in order that we might have life and have it to the full but god doesn't force it and he doesn't give us what we deserve he shows us mercy and instead he gives us what we don't deserve he gives us grace upon grace upon grace And I said this last week, and I hope it was clear. I hope it was imprinted, but this is all God's action. It's still God's work in your life. God saves us by grace through faith so that we can't take credit. Because we're going to want to take credit, right? It's a gift of grace. It's like, then ducklings do duck-like things. If we do the things that we're fixed our eyes on. This is God adopting us into the family, friends. As I, as I think about this passage and, I, and as I read this text, Matthew 3 comes to my mind. And when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, he went up out of the water, heaven opened, and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And he said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Lord imprinted on Jesus in that moment the reality that was his. And Jesus fixed his eyes on the Lord, and he did everything despite pressure to do otherwise that God had called him to do, had created him to do, and he fulfilled the mission perfectly. Jesus fixed his eyes. And the same is true for you. I'm not going to walk all the way over there because you'll get whiplash from the camera. But there's a baptismal font over here, Haywarden. And friends, when we were baptized, you received the Holy Spirit in the same way. It happened for you. Heaven opened, the Spirit descends on you like a dove, and God raised you with Christ to be seated at his right hand. Yes, yes, we, we still get to receive the gift of grace through faith. But my theology tells me that when God has sealed that, he's not going to let that not Happen because you are God's handiwork, you are God's workmanship workmanship. And the word in the Greek is poema. I need a drink. Everybody say poema. What the word means is this that we are the result of God's artistic skill and craftsmanship. You are the result of God's artistic skill and craftsmanship. If we could earn our salvation by ourselves, we would not be God's workmanship. We would be our workmanship. And I'm here to tell you that would be a pretty ugly thing. But God's artistic skill and His craftsmanship, His handiwork is everything. And it's beautiful. You're beautiful. The way he created you and the things he created you to do are beautiful too. So here's what I want you to get. I want you to understand this, that when we do things that God has created us to do, it's God has already called you to do it. He predetermined before, long before the foundations of the earth that there are things for you to do. And he knew that you would do them. So when God asks you to do something, you can do it confidently, understanding that way before you ever were, God had a plan for you. Do you get this? I feel like it changes everything. Does it change anything for you? I mean, it changed my life when I understand this reality. Because what's true is like all the pressure is off. I don't have to worry. All I have to do is be faithful and obedient to do the things that God asked me to do. Because before the foundations of the world, we are called to do it. And ultimately, friends, ultimately, God is at work in this world. All we have to do is join him in the work. What are you fixating on? What is it that you're focusing on? Are you focusing on the things of God or the things of the world? It's the question of the day. But it also changes, I mean, it changes the way I behave, but it also changes the way I look. It changes the things I see and the way I see them. Like, I see people differently today than I once did. I see you differently than I once did. You, too, are God's handiwork. You, too, are God's craftsmanship. And God wants to use you in really powerful ways. Because we are all created in God's image to do good works. I said this last week, and I'll say it again and again and again. Friends, you were created on purpose for a purpose. Friends in Haywarden, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And can you imagine? Can you imagine what Haywarden and Alcester and, and Sioux Center and Northwest Iowa and Southeast South Dakota would look like? Can you imagine what it would look like if the people of God who have been created with God's artistic skill and creativity and craftsmanship Um, would actually do the things that god created us to do can you imagine what it would look like lives would be transformed if we do the things if because the people of god or people who are outside of the family of god would see the people of god doing the things of god wow it'd be pretty fantastic don't you think I think it would be amazing if the people of God who have been selected by the Father, who have been sacrificed for by the Son, and have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, who have uh, our hope, who have our riches, and have God's power, which we have, it, it, it would be unstoppable because we're no longer dead. And the artistic skill and craftsmanship that God has worked in us, he will also work through us to transform other people's lives. And I pray desperately that it would be so. That, that you would get this, that we together would get this, that we would be little Christs. We don't need to be ducks, right? but that we, we would be little Christ, that we would look at Jesus, that we would emulate Jesus, and that we would do the things that Jesus is calling us to do, the things that God the Father predetermined way before the beginning of time for you to do. Pray for wisdom in revelation. Ask God, what are the things that you have for me to do? And then trust Trust God's artistic skill and His creativity. And He's going to do amazing things in your life. And together, friends, we will make Christ known. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank You for selecting us. Jesus, thank You for sacrificing for us. Thank You, God, for Your power. And sealing us with the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, O Lord, for the hope that we have, the riches that we have, and that incomparably great power that we have. Would all of those things be fuel? Would you use it in our lives, God, to be a blessing in the world in which we find ourselves? Would we look for where you're at work? Would we join you in that, trusting that long before we ever existed, you knew us and you knew the things that you had for us to do? God, your love for us is extravagant, and I'm grateful for it. For those who are sick, who are um, recovering from illness and surgeries and things of the like, I pray, Holy Spirit, that they would know these things too. And I pray that in our giftedness, that we would come alongside anybody and everybody um, who desperately needs you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930